Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Thanks so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk. Today we'll talk about three stories. The British covered up a Hezbollah terror plot to protect the Iranian deal. Just news now. Number two, Spygate Progress investigating the investigators. And last, expert convicted obstructor John Dean testifies in Congress. And I'll tell you all why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And thanks again for tuning in to America Can We Talk. So my first five today, I want to talk with you about an amazing story that came out of London, and it involves the London authorities having discovered a Hezbollah terror plot uh, and hiding it from their own citizens and from the world since, nine, since 2015. So this is four plus years ago, since 2015 until this week. And I'm gonna go in detail on that story in just 30 seconds, but I have to tell you that when we sat down to start the show today and I quick scan some headlines, I just saw a headline, I wanna just plant this seed and I'll come back to it tomorrow. There was testimony apparently in Congress, there was the head of DHS, the um, Department of Homeland Security, testified in Congress about the percentage of asylum seekers who come across the border and as we all know the system, we don't have enough housing for them, so they are given a hearing date for, the, uh, for America to hear their petition for asylum, to see if they meet our asylum law standards. The DHS testimony today was about the percentage of people given asylum dates, asylum hearing dates, who then disappear into the interior of America and do not show up for their, uh, their hearing on asylum. Now, if I were giving this speech in person, I'd say raise your hands if you think it's 20%, 30%, of people captured at America's border, crossing our border illegally, seeking asylum, never show up for their asylum hearings. Another reason to secure the border. But that's not really my first five today. What I want to talk about today is this astonishing news out of England uh, involving the authorities in England discovering in the year 2015 that Hezbollah, and if you don't recall what Hezbollah is, it's a Lebanese terror organization, but it is actually, as we heard from Claire Lopez recently on this show, Hezbollah is funded by the country of Iran. It is an Iranian terror group. It's an Islamic jihadist group funded by Iran. Hezbollah in England in 2015, it turned out terrorists linked to Hezbollah were stockpiling bomb-making ingredients in England, including three tons, three tons of ammonium nitrate. When they, that huge giant explosion we saw in America uh, at the Oklahoma City bombing was with uh, essentially two tons. So this is a bigger bomb, a bigger compilation, a collection of bomb materials than, than we had at the Oklahoma City bombing. But the story isn't really that Hezbollah or any Islamic organization was planning a terror attack. That's not even news. It's kind of almost become ho-hum. What's news is that the authorities in England decided to withhold that information from their own citizens. It was serious enough, the threat, the amount of uh, weapon uh, just uncovered was serious enough that at the time, of course, they briefed the uh, administration in, uh, they, they briefed Theresa May um, to tell her at the time uh, what, that, what had occurred, uh, and they also briefed, um, 
David Cameron, but they did not tell the British people. What, what is the big splash news headline is this. They withheld telling the British people about this astonishing potential for an enormous terror attack out of concern that it may have somehow tubed, destroyed, or called into question the then-negotiated, being-negotiated Iranian deal. You might remember that the Iranian deal involved the G5, the five countries that are part of the, uh, national, the, secu- the uh, UN uh, National Security Council plus Germany. That deal, uh, negotiation ongoing with uh, Iran, they announced a deal July 14, 2015, that they reached a deal, this, uh, you know, the Iranian deal, also called the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, but uh, which involved, by the way, a claim that they were preventing Iranians from being able to develop weapons when the fact was the deal carved out all the logical places in Iran where they would be keeping, storing, and developing their nuclear weapon potential. All those areas were carved out of the inspection provisions of that deal. So it was a complete joke of a deal. And many, many, many national security experts said so at the time. But on the Iranian deal, that deal was struck on July 14, 2015, but it really wasn't until January 21st of 2016. January 21st of 2016, that the deal had its actual effective date, was actually finalized. In that time period, many, many serious national security experts calling into question, why are we making a deal with Iran, the world's number one terror exporting country? Why are we making a deal that has a carve out of all of the areas where they're largely would be hiding their nuclear weapon uh, planning and efforts and construction? Why are those carved out from the inspection areas? I mean, it's absurd on its face. A sixth grader could read that and say, well, if you can't inspect the areas where they're most likely to be storing the nuclear weapons or their efforts to develop nuclear weapons and nuclear material, what good is the agreement? The agreement also, as you may recall, transferred to um, Iran or actually permitted access uh, for Iran to an estimated 120 billion, B as in boy billion, of Iranian resources held in banks abroad. So the British people were not told about this discovery by MI6 and, um, and others in the uh, British administration of this Hezbollah massive, massive stockpiling of dangerous weapons because maybe the British people might have spoken up and said, what the heck are we doing signing on to the Iranian deal? News came out today. My last points in today's first five are these. This notion that the British government thought it best not to let its own people be aware of a threat in their homeland on the part of Hezbollah because they want to be sure to preserve this ridiculous Iranian deal, which, by the way, now the U.S. has withdrawn from, and so we're, we're back into dealing with reality, which is Iran doesn't comply with it. Wasn't complying when we had the deal in place, uh, never intended to comply, always wants to be developing nuclear weapons. In fact, many people think they probably pretty much have all that capacity anyway. But my points in the first five are these. The public are not to be treated like peasants. We're not to be treated like the people who can't handle truth. And even though it was the British, that same mindset carries through in many, many ruling elite people in this world, including in America, that we don't really need to know these bad things because otherwise we might get upset, we might be unfair, we might be become biased or concerned about Islamic terrorism. We might do, do or say things that might upset people. 
This is not the role or the right of a government or the investigation, investigating authorities, once they have the information, to decide that we aren't going to go ahead, we're not going to uh, let the public know this. So they didn't have prosecutions by this, oh, by the way. Because of this, need to their view, need to protect the public from knowing the truth, there weren't prosecutions. Number two, Iran is exactly the bad actor that many, many people claimed that they were and are. They are, in fact, when Claire Lopez was on my show on May 21st, you might want to go back if you didn't hear the interview, great interview, May 21st, she came on, talked about the threat of Iran. She used the term about groups like Hezbollah. They are not just terror groups who happen to be funded by Iran. They are proxies for the Iranian government. And this whole idea that we in this country, uh, you know, we hear this story and we in this country have to ever wonder, do we have our own authorities not telling us what we are, we shouldn't know because we the peasants can't handle it. This is really wrong, really bad. And again, an affirmation that President Trump was exactly right. He was 100% right to withdraw America from the Iranian deal because the Iranians, at least under their present leadership of the mullahs and the ayatollahs, the Iranians are never going to be our friends. They're never going to be trustworthy. They're always to be watched. They're always to be monitored. And frankly, they're always to be pressured, pressured to have the ridiculous mullah theocracy that rules Iran, we should always be putting pressure on them to get out of power and give that country back to the Iranian people. And that, my friends, is today's First Five. I want to turn next and talk about Spygate. And you know, that term, that uh, the expression Spygate, um, there were so many, you know, that came from the term Watergate. Uh, but you know, ever since Watergate happened, which was the Nixon administration spying on the Democrat um, during the campaign, spying on the Democrats, and then the cover up that happened afterward. And so, and it happened that the meeting where the, uh, the Nixon affiliated people broke in to try to spy on the Democrats was located in the building in Washington called the Watergate building. So ever since that time, everybody puts on the word gate on the end of every scandal. So, you know, that was Watergate. Now we have Spygate. People call it FISA gate or Mueller gate, whatever you want to call it. What I want to focus on today is how much things are heating up in Washington on the subject, not at all. It's like there are two parallel universes going forward on this, uh, on what happened on the Trump-Russia collusion uh, hoax and the Mueller investigation. On the one hand, we have the Democrat Party continuing continuing to try to pretend that the news story of the day is that Mueller wrote a report which vindicated completely President Trump, found no collusion, no conspiracy, no basis for prosecution, but the Mueller report held out hope that maybe, maybe still the Democrats in Washington who have the majority in the House could somehow latch on to the second half, the volume two of the Mueller report dealing with obstruction, the claims that somehow Trump obstructed justice, that that is a story of the day. So they brought John Dean into Congress to testify about uh, his uh, perception of the parallels between Watergate and, uh, and FISAgate or Spygate. I'm going to get to that in the last segment of the show today, but the two parallel universes, so Democrats are trying to say stories over here. Here's folk, here, folks, is where the story really is. The story is about that Attorney General Barr is going to dig, going to dig inside the FBI and the Department of Justice. He is going to figure out, as he keeps using the expression, the predicate 
the basis, the reason, the legal or probably illegal reason for the FBI to even have begun this entire Russia-Trump collusion investigation that led to the, the appointment of Robert Mueller as a special counsel, that led to the first two-plus years of President Trump's administration simply clobbered day after day by ridiculous headlines, allegations that, that had no basis in fact. So Barr is now saying he has, he's in the, he is now the, the Attorney General, he is going to investigate the Department of Justice and the FBI and figure out how this whole thing got started. That, my friends, is the real story. I want to start with a quick clip, quick clip. We have Attorney General Barr. Um, he was in um, Washington and he gave this uh, statement, which I thought was one of the all-time funniest things that, uh, a, uh, you know, someone in his position. He's pretty, Barr is pretty, um, He's a pretty serious guy. He's very methodical in his manner of speaking. He is not verbose. He's not a chit-chatty guy. You know, he's kind of answers the question, move on to the next question. But I want to play this clip of Barr, what he had to say about being the one actually starting to investigate how in the world did this crazy hoax get started. Here is Attorney General Barr. As Chris said, and as most of you know, this, I'm a two-time offender. This is my second stint as Attorney General. My arrival this time was a little bit more eventful than I recall it being the last time. <laughs> As we've been watching the, uh, the uh, coverage of June 6, 1944 D-Day, I had the thought that my arrival this time felt a little bit, I think, like jumping into San Marigliese on the morning of June 5th, trying to figure out where you could land without getting shot. Okay, I was going to tell you, we have, I have a wonderful producer, Matt, who is not here today. We've had a huge weather problem in Dallas. We had this massive storm, knocked out power, and so it, people have been struggling. So Matt isn't here today. I have the very wonderful Derek substituting. I was just going to tell Derek, there's no picture on the screen. Barr wasn't on the screen, but anyway, it's okay. You heard his comments. I think this is hilarious because all the world's been focused on this D-Day and it is a great thing to celebrate and remember and to honor those whose uh, bravery really began the beginning of the end of the Nazis but Barr was making comments and he basically said coming into the Department of Justice at this time is like parachuting down on D-Day and it was a funny analogy and everyone laughed as you heard but i want to really i want to start this discussion today about where we are uh, where we are and really having the um spygate uh, we're investigating at this point we are investigating the investigators just put yourself in it for if you if you can for a moment in bob Barr's shoes it's like being dropped into the middle of the mafia everyone around you're working for the mafia now you're surrounded by the mafia and you're supposed to investigate them because this entire Mullergate, Fisagate, Spygate investigation involved, it, first of all, the predicate to it was far preceding President Trump's election. If you go back, really, how the whole thing got started, well back under the Obama administration, well back under Obama-appointed officials in the Department of Justice, in the FBI, those people misusing the NSA database at the behest of the Obama administration to spy on political enemies. And very few of those upper echelon FBI Department of Justice people have left on top of that. I mean, some of them have, to be clear. They, they had to clean out some of them, and some of them quit or were fired or demoted or whatever. But the point is, everybody around 
Bob Barr sitting in there in the Department of Justice, everybody around him is in the field of, in the, was involved in, was aware of the entire Mueller investigation. I mean, the, whether they were actually complicit, whether they were part of the FBI, the 40 FBI agents who were, you know, working for Mueller and helping him just dig and dig and dig and dig and dig to find something on Trump to get him, or people who signed off on the FISA warrants, or people who knew people who signed off on the FISA warrants, people who saw what the Obama administration was doing in tapping the NSA database, people who saw what Mueller was doing, hiring a team of lawyers who all hated Trump, who all supported Obama and Hillary, using FBI agents to dig and dig to find anything with which to torture and torment President Trump. Everyone around Barr in his new office as attorney general, he's surrounded by potential co-conspirators of everybody he's investigating. I mean, stop and think how hard that would be. It's, a, it's pretty much downright crazy. It's crazy to think he's in that. I mean, he has to be inside. He has to be in there. He has, you know, he's working on this investigation, but just to plant that first seed of thought, he's investigating people who knew should have known, perhaps were involved in, at least had some hint, something really bad is happening inside the FBI and nobody seems to be stopping what is occurring. Even once the Mueller investigation was ongoing and you could see the Mueller tactics, we've talked about in the show many times, the Mueller tactic, the perjury trap tactic, the tactic of you know getting someone's, everyone, some person, some potential witness, every email they ever sent, every tweet they ever put out, everything they put on Instagram, your entire social media presence, questioning them when you've got the data in front of you. Some of them having uh, were questioned after other people had testified. So they have testimony by other people about what you did and then putting people in the position of saying, for example, and then Jerome Corsi is a great example, asking him, did you ever email so-and-so about such and such? And he says, no, because he doesn't have his emails in front of him. He doesn't remember what he did two years ago. And that was being used by the Mueller team to entrap Corsi because now he's lied, or their characterization is he's lied, this is what the Mueller team did. They set up people in perjury traps with the goal of destroying them. Of, or to be more precise and immediately, with a goal of coercing them into cooperating with the Mueller team and finding something that would help them throw the book at Donald Trump. So Barr's in the middle now. He's the attorney, the attorney general. He is, uh, he is uh, fighting very hard to, um, to do the investigation and to uh, figure out what happened. And he's surrounded by who the heck knows all the people he's trying to buy who were part of it. So number one, he's investigating. It's like being put inside the mafia and, and, then having, um, and then having to investigate the people around you. Very, very precarious position. Number two is um, he has appointed a, um, an assistant to do, actually do the investigation. Oh, let me, let me, one more thing before I get to him. So Mark Meadows, who is, has been a stalwart uh, member of Congress. He's been working very hard. He's very, very supportive of Bill Barr. I think I said Bob Barr. In fact, someone's texting me. He said his first name wrong. Sorry, it's Bill Barr. Anyway, 
you have Mark Meadows, who is in Congress. He's been just courageous, brave, insistent, clear, letting the public know what they're trying to figure out about how did this whole crazy story get started. Mark Meadows said at an F, at a, um, on um, uh, Fox, I guess, last week that within 60 days, 6-0, within 60 days of the Mueller investigation starting, Mueller and his team knew that the Trump-Russia Trump probe was built on a foundation of sand. He said within 60 days prior to Mueller coming on, in fact, within 60 days of opening the investigation, even prior to Mueller coming on, the FBI and the Department of Justice knew that the Christopher Steele, the Christopher Steele was incredible. The dossier, the famous Rus Russia dro Steele dossier, Russian dossier, Trump dossier, that it was, it, there's one dossier, it's a bunch of garbage created by creative writing by Christopher Steele. And Mark Meadows is saying the FBI knew from the beginning it was not true. They knew within 60 days it was just made up. And he says, when you look at that as a foundation, it's all built on a foundation of sand. And that's going to start to show up soon. So he's really, really willing, uh, Mark Meadows has been, to speak up and, and say that and be pretty darn unrelenting about pointing out why in the world is it that this whole investigation continued on and on and on and on and on. So then we have, so Attorney General Barth, that was really funny, his comment about, um, uh, his comment about the feeling like it was D-Day. Uh, there's also, though, uh, Barr has appointed an Attorney General Durham, John Durham of Connecticut, to head up this investigation inside the Department of Justice and in the FBI. This is making the left very, very, very nervous. Very nervous. Couple reasons. One is Durham is reported to have been really diligent He's had numerous meetings with Bill Barr. He's had numerous meetings with high-level people in the Department of Justice. He is digging into the FISA warrant applications, understanding what did you know when you made these applications? I mean, if Mark Meadows is saying they knew within 60 days of looking at this deal dossier that it was a bunch of garbage, you know, why were they using it? signing their warrant applications to go to the FISA court under penalty of perjury, that they had this information, that we had to start, they had to get warrants in the FISA court. Well, if they knew it was all a farce, on what were they getting those applications? Uh, and what were they claiming they had? And what did the FISA court uh, issue their uh, warrants based on? So this guy, attorney, this, uh, attorney general, um, John Durham, is meeting closely, meeting with Barr regularly. So he's not doing kind of like, there was another guy who was a U.S. Attorney from Utah, John Huber, who was appointed by um, Jeff Sessions to do this similar investigation. And Huber has turned out to be, or that investigation has turned out to be useless. Uh, Huber allegedly stepped back, letting the, the Inspector General finish his report, which it was uh, believed by many to be a farce. I mean, Huber just wasn't into trying to dig up and find things. Apparently, John Durham is. Um, he is, according to oh, sources, very dialed in was the word. He is actually, he is going to look at this Russia probe. He is not going to let things go. Um, and so you have Durham digging in, and among the things that were most interesting and telling on this 
investigating the investigators where we are now is that uh, there was a letter sent uh, from the Justice Department to Representative Jerry Nadler, uh, Jerome Nadler. And if you know who this is, he is the pit bull uh, in Congress um, who has been uh, making noises about impeachment, who has been calling the hearings, uh, all sorts of hearings, uh, investigating everything. And he's, he's Jerome Nadler being the Democrat, is trying to steer the discussion again to somehow President Trump obstructed something. We're going to figure it out. This is an obstruction case. He's the one gleefully called John Dean before his testimony, his, his committee yesterday. Um, but this Department of Justice letter to uh, Jerome Nadler said that, and these, these are words that are just going to make the Democrats uh, quake in their boots. This letter says, Attorney General Barr's review of the FISA abuses and surveillance against the Trump campaign is broad in scope and multi faceted. The letter came from Assistant Attorney General Stephen Boyd. It indicates entities outside of the FBI and the Department of Justice are being interviewed. It indicates fu implying fusion GPS. The, the, one of the layers of uh, entities Hillary tried to put between herself and the Russians. You know, Hillary hires this uh, Fusion GPS. She had the law firm, Perkins Coie. They hire Fusion GPS, who hires Christopher Steele. Hillary's trying to stay way back, saying, no, it wasn't me. You know, it was Steele's over there making up stuff. This is Hillary, who, who if anyone consorted with the Russians, used the Russians to try to win the presidential campaign in 2016 by raising false allegations against President Trump. So now what the country is hearing and what the Democrats in Washington are realizing is that they, the Department of Justice, are actually going to go after not just the people inside the FBI, not just Department of Justice, but the Fusion GPS people, foreign intelligence services. There are at least three or four other countries whose intelligence services, their FBI counterparts, were apparently involved in this ongoing coup attempt against, well, before he was elected, this ongoing subversion of America's edu uh, election process. And then once Trump was elected, this ongoing subversion of the Trump presidency. Those four countries, Australia, the British, Turkish intel groups apparently helping, and the Italians. So you have at least four countries whose intelligence services were assisting the intelligence service in America, the Department of Justice, FBI, in trying to frame Donald Trump. This is the level of investigation that the Department of Justice is now engaged in. This is the level of we are, you are not going to get away with this kind of investigation that John Durham is engaged in. And so there's been a, uh, a lot of people nervous and in fact there are many details we've gone through them several other times about whole the whole reason the Russia Trump collusion investigation even began the allegation even occurred was itself a setup in fact I asked a, a US attorney I happen to know very well I said you know what is the story basically was you know Barr says he wants to have a he wants to know the predicate what, you know, what was the basis for, the legal basis for launching any investigation into Trump-Russia collusion? And because it appears that the predicate was just a fabrication, a concoction, a creation by people inside the FBI who did not want Donald Trump to become president. So they were fabricating and concocting 
stories and putting in place, put, creating the whole scenario that led to then these suspicious communications they would get back saying, well, I don't know, now we're hearing uh, George Papadopoulos and, you know, um, uh, Carter, I forget Carter's first name, or whatever, you know, those people are, oh, Carter Page, how those people were actually being set up by the FBI to create the alleged intelligence that then came back to the FBI was justified the FBI beginning the investigation. So I said to my U.S. attorney friend, so was the fabrication by the FBI, was it the predicate for the entire thing? To which she said, yes. <laughs> she didn't even bother. I mean, this, this stuff, folks, this is very, this is scandal at a level America has never seen. This truly is by far the most egregious, outrageous, unjustified, simply uh, unconscionable conduct by our own FBI uh, and, and signed on to apparently by people pretty high up in the Department of Justice who let this all occur. So other things that are coming out uh, that are part of the um, are, you know, the effort Barr is making and John Durham are making to dig in and, and prove out what happened, how this whole thing got started. Non-governmental organizations, non-governmental, some individuals outside of the Department of Justice and the FBI, you know, Clapper's name comes to mind, John Brennan's name comes to mind. Those people all now being investigated by Attorney General John Durham, uh, Connecticut Attorney General. Very, very, uh, very serious times, very serious things. Uh, that he's looking into because this really, uh, unless it is uncovered, unless all the facts are uncovered, unless the wrongdoers are questioned, investigated, and if justified, uh, indicted, prosecuted, convicted, and sent off to jail, unless all of that happens, we're going to let the culture inside the FBI that led to this egregious violation of the rule of law, egregious corruption of our law enforcement agencies, it would just let them sit. And I'll tell you something that I think is going to be more and more telling. You probably saw last week, we talked about it on the show, but Bob Mueller did a press conference in which he essentially said, you know, everything I have to say is in the report. I'm not testifying. I'm not coming to Congress. You know, like he does, like he's going to tell them whether or not he's going to testify. But part of what has uh, been uncovered is that in the Mueller report that all of us, you know, it was issued to the public, the, the you know, volume one saying there was no conspiracy between Trump and the Russians, no base false collusion talk. But number two, that volume two, that this obstruction stuff, that he's saying, well, I kind of looked into obstruction and I couldn't really uh, figure out there, you know, there wasn't enough there to say that we could make an obstruction charge. I'll leave it to the Congress. I mean, just, you know, dancing around, pussyfooting around, not coming out with clear conclusions. Uh, and then Mueller gave his statement, as you all likely heard uh, last week. He read the statement saying, you know, uh, my, sta my, my statement stands, I'm not going to testify, and actually went out of his way to say in that statement, in that public thing, essentially, you know, um, that um, I'm not, I'm, he didn't, he, he didn't want to say there's no basis to charge the president, but he didn't want to say that there is. And so he danced around with language that kind of left it open. Well, we didn't find anything, but kind of could. I don't have his exact language in front of me, so I, I won't paraphrase it. But the point is, he left that press conference very clearly inviting, pleading with Congress to go ahead and do an investigation of President Trump and move toward impeachment. 
In addition, so Mueller is playing games with his standard. That's not his job as a, in any capacity with the FBI, a special prosecutor or as an FBI agent. is not his job to make a pronouncement that kind of invites Congress to um, consider whether we should impeach here. He had a job. He investigated the conclusion if he were following anything like normal standards of, of the FBI, the Department of Justice, and just uh, criminal prosecutions in this country, if there's no, if there's insufficient evidence, then we found no evidence, and so we move forward. You, you, you state things conclusively. He went out of his way to not be conclusive. Compounding that is that as more people have had more time to read the Mueller report, there are more and more instances of inconsistencies in what the Mueller report says, because they carve out, they cherry pick portions of language, portions of phone conversations recorded, portions of statements made to cast a false accusation, cast false aspersions on either President Trump or someone affiliated with him. Well, as those become more and more known to people, more people are coming out and saying the Mueller report is full of, these are not inconsistencies, folks. These are not just inconsistencies. These are grotesque, intentional, and manipulative misrepresentations by the Mueller report trying to leave open the possibility that somehow someone in Congress can go ahead and try to impeach this president. As Mueller's report is picked apart more and more, the dishonesty and inherent in the way he wrote the report, the unprofessionalism and his unwillingness to just come to firm conclusions, his handling of the investigation where everything that Trump ever did was to be subject to scrutiny, his use of the perjury trap, not just on Jerome Corsi, but others, his conduct in truly just setting up and trapping Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, all of that is going to contribute to the conclusion of Attorney General John Durham that what happened inside the FBI in the investigation, as well as what happened in the creation of the Mueller report, was not the honest investigation that our law, our system of laws, our rule of law requires. It was a biased, to use President Trump's term, witch hunt. It was a determined effort to get this president. Mueller's words, his conduct is going to come back, I believe, not just to bite him, but all the FBI and Department of Justice, because what you're really hearing is they felt justified, even when they had to issue a report to the public, they felt justified in misleading the public about individuals associated with President Trump, as well as about Trump himself, they felt justified in making um, illusions, uh, misquoting, taking things out of context, all designed, all with the effort to try to get President Trump. And if there ever was proof that the mission from the start was not to find fact, but it was to find a basis to charge the, the President, Mueller's continuing contact, conduct adds to that immeasurably, adds to that significantly. Mueller just couldn't bring himself to say, folks, there's just nothing there. There's nothing there. There's no basis. The obstruction charges that are now dancing around the Democrats' heads are so absurd, so unjustified, just so unprecedented that Mueller is tipping his hand. He's telling you, he's telling Congress, he's telling the American people that he felt justified conducting this investigation with the mission to try to destroy the president. That's why he wrote the report the way he did.
So at the end of the day, I think that uh, there are many Democrats in Washington, many uh, people in positions of power. Frankly, I keep saying Democrats, probably some Republicans too. And they and whoever, what full transparency means is everybody's wrongdoing has to come out. Everyone's wrongdoing has to be investigated, accounted for, and, and if justified, prosecuted. Because otherwise, we'll never truly wash our hands of this horrible uh stain on American history and stain on our FBI and Department of Justice. And the last thing I want to turn to today uh, was the kind of the parallel track that Democrats are trying to go on. So we have the Republicans trying to say, let's find the truth of how we got this whole Trump-Russia collusion thing going. And the Democrats are saying, can we talk again about obstruction? That, I mean, that, that is kind of, kind of where they are headed. Um, actually, I had a little, I want to play, let me go back uh, to one more moment. Um, I had a little clip that uh, I want to quickly play. Uh, and this relates to um, uh, Jim Jordan. Uh, they had a, um, he, there was a judiciary hearing, and he did a little spiel essentially about scolding his fellow Judiciary Committee members as they are going on and on and on, trying to talk about obstruction and, and blathering about John Dean, you know, Jim Jordan saying, why isn't this committee interested in looking into how the whole Russia hoax got started? This is Jim Jordan and why the Judiciary Committee, why aren't they interested? Do we have that clip, my friend? What bothers me the most, though, is this committee's failure to investigate how the whole Trump-Russia thing started. This is the Judiciary Committee. We're supposed to, how this whole thing began, and I, I said this a few weeks ago, but I want to remind this committee what the Attorney General of the United States said eight weeks ago when he testified in front of the Senate. He said four important things about the beginnings of the Trump-Russia investigation. He said there was a failure of leadership at the upper echelon of the FBI. His words, not mine. Upper echelon. That's certainly true. Comey, McCabe, Baker, Strzok, Page, they've all been fired, demoted, let go, they're gone. Some of them are under investigation by the Justice Department. He said spying did occur. He said it twice. He said there's a basis for his concern about the spying that took place. And he used two terms that, again, I think this committee should find frightening and should be looking into. Unauthorized surveillance and political surveillance. Scary terms. So the good news is, even though this Congress has memorandums of understanding between the key committee chairman on how they're going to coordinate their attack on the president, even though this Congress, first big witness, first big hearing, Michael Cohen, a guy who sits in prison for lying to Congress, and even though we now have a guy testifying about obstruction of justice who pled guilty to obstruction of justice, we should be looking into the things Bill Barr's looking at. Now, the good news is Mr. Durham's doing that. But th this is... This is the part, I think, that frustrates so many. Mr. Chairman, I would hope the Judiciary Committee and the history this committee has for protecting fundamental liberties would begin to look into those key issues, the whole premise for how this Trump-Russia investigation started in the first place. And I'll, I'll finish again with this. Emmett Flood wrote a letter to the Attorney General a few weeks back, made an important point. He said, we would all do well to remember if they can do it to a president, imagine what they can do to you and me. That is Jim Jordan. He's been, along with Mark Meadows, among the most stellar on Capitol Hill, pointing out, screaming from the rooftops, using all the power he had uh, when they were the majority in the House and now they're in the minority to keep making the point that everyone in America needs to care about what happened inside the FBI, how we got to this point where we had a complete fabricated frame-up 
you know, uh, hit job by people inside the FBI to try to take down the sitting president of the United States, how we get there and, and, and what happened. And the Democrats do not want to hear it. I'm going to turn then. So now the final segment today, um, I want to talk just a little bit about um, John Dean. And he is a, um, as I said, I think I was calling him the expert uh, obstructor. But it's really important to understand what, what John Dean is all about. Everyone, it's really interesting to think about it. John Dean was from the Watergate era. And he was one who uh, was working for Nixon. And uh, what he did, he was charged with obstruction of justice, the same charge or the same kind of charge that the Democrats were talking potentially about making against President Trump. John Dean was involved in helping Nixon hide a real crime that happened. I mean, I guess it's never been proven, or I think most people think Nixon didn't even know about the break-in before. He wasn't part of planning it, but whatever. The people did it on his behalf, or the, or the Republican Party did it. But then the cover-up was, you know, hiding it in a variety of ways. Hiding that uh, break-in and the connections of the people who broke in to the Nixon campaign. Uh, and that was the cover-up, trying to hide, you know, erasing a certain amount of time of uh, tape recording of conversations in the Oval Office, trying to cover up the connection between Nixon and the break-in. So Watergate, and it boils down to it, was about a political campaign spying on another political campaign, which I'm going to guess, even though I have never engaged in this or known anyone who did, I'm going to get a guess. This is about as common as, you know, I don't even know what to say, a sunshine in the summer. I just, I think these spying things happen, but that was Watergate. John Dean was charged and he was actually, he pled guilty to obstruction of justice. He then turned on Nixon and his fellow defendants and became an informer. He turned and helped, you know, essentially state's evidence turned to help the prosecutors get Nixon and other people involved in the in this uh, cover up, uh, this obstruction of justice. And so John Dean actually, be precise, he keeps saying in, in testimony, I never went to prison. John Dean did sit in jail and he did plead guilty. What happened was in exchange for his cooperation with the prosecutors, he was uh, sentenced to time served. So in some technical way, he didn't go to prison. And he keeps saying that, but he was intimately involved with obstruction. So the Democrats, because they're trying to keep America, they're doing that to America, hey, shiny object, shiny object, we can still get President Trump here, we can still impeach him, look at this, we got obstruction. So they bring in someone who was convicted of obstruction of justice in the Nixon era to come into Congress and draw parallels between the Nixon era obstruction and the potential charge of obstruction against President Trump or others affiliated with him arising out of the non-existent Trump-Russia collusion. All the Democrats really pulled yesterday in Congress was a political stunt, a public relations stunt. There was no legal relevance to anything John Dean said. There is no factual, in fact, John Dean got to Congress yesterday, and among the first things he had to say is, I'm not here as a fact witness. He acknowledged he has no idea about any of the facts laid forth in the Mueller report. He has no personal knowledge about whatever went on inside the FBI and the spying on Trump. He admits he has no 
underlying knowledge of the facts of any kind related to this whole Trump-Russia collusion, or to what the Mueller report says, or whether the Mueller report misrepresents things. He has no idea. He's just a famous name. He was someone the Democrats could use when they're trying to plant the seed in the minds of ignorant Americans to cause them to make a connection in their thinking and go, well, now the Democrats are talking about impeaching Trump over obstruction, and now they got John Dean and he pled guilty to obstruction. See, it's somehow all connected. This is just outrageous staging, political stunt, public relations stunt foolishness. But we had John Dean show up. Uh, he gives a testimony. He says, I'm not a fact witness. Um, he uh, and, and he's you know just just there to try to draw parallels. He's a guy who turned on Nixon um, as a uh, you know to get to save his own skin to, because he did he was involved with the Nixon people actually obstructing justice. Um, it got a very and he's kind of kept a low profile since then. But at the end of the day, this was in front of Jerome Nadler's committee, and I don't I ran out of time today to do this, but I want uh, maybe I'll save it for another day. But uh, there was a great little soliloquy from uh, by Jim Jordan in his questioning. You know, when they the people in Congress they go to ask questions, they're really just kind of making a speech. But basically, he was pointing out how much John Dean hates President. Trump, and, and I'm going to summarize Jim Jordan's questions. It was basically like, Jim Jordan, did you really say that you know, this uh, this whole Russia Trump thing was, you know, the only, Trump had basically Trump had to do it to win, and that Trump has accomplished nothing. He's a do nothing POTUS, President of the United States. He's accomplished nothing. To which Jim Jordan, I mean, to which uh, you know John Dean's going, yeah, 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 I said that. And Jim Jordan just ran through all these things Trump has accomplished. None of that counted to you. None of this, you know, f fabulous economy and move the. American embassies, uh, the American embassy in, in Israel to Jerusalem, and you know we have all the things Trump has accomplished. But you know this, he really just made the point that John Dean is a low-level political hack who had no idea of any kind what happened inside the Mueller investigation. And I'm just I'm going to summarize this ending and turn to our last little segment today by saying this was the just was just a a, a painful, embarrassing if for anyone actually paying attention, embarrassing episode to the Democrats, for the Democrats uh, in Washington, trooping through John Dean, whose ba basic fame in life is he obstructed justice and he got caught and he had to plead guilty and he's a felon and I think he lost his law license. I'm going to guess he lost his law license over that. So that was the best the Democrats could do because they have all they can do, folks, keep this in mind, all the Democrats can do is keep talking obstruction, impeachment, obstruction, impeachment. That's all they can do. Because the last thing they want is the American people paying attention to what the real story is, which is what's going to be, in, we're going to all find out through Attorney General Barr, as well as Attorney General John Durham's investigation, what happened inside the FBI, what was a predicate for this entire hoax. Because that, my friends, is making the Democrats quake in their boots. And now to wrap up, at the end of the show, I want to talk with you about why all these stories matter to you. And I have my uh, my good friend here, Derek has this ready. We do. Okay. Brit's coverage of the 2015 Hezbollah plot, their cover-up of it. Whenever the ruling class decides that peasants can't handle the truth, alarm bells should be sounded. This is danger ev everywhere. Hezbollah is an Iranian proxy. It is the government 
in England, the UK, covering up a Hezbollah plot in order to help the government reach a nuclear agreement with trustworthy Iran. So many bad pieces, nonsense on steroids, and dangers of people in the name of protecting the people. Truly pure Orwellian. Next slide, please. A Spygate investigation. Why it matters to you. Spygate's the most devastating, consequential scandal in the history of America. This is about the rule of law and the American constitutional republic. That's what is at stake. Corruption, abject dishonesty at the highest levels of the White House, CIA, DOJ, FBI. There has to be accountability. Barr and Durham deserve Americans' wholehearted support. Last slide, please. John Dean, obstructor. John Dean is a witness. Democrats, Democrats called John Dean as a witness to draw parallels, that was their term, draw parallels between Watergate and the Russia hoax. Yet Dean openly admits he knows not a word about the truth or falsity of anything in the Mueller findings. He has no idea what the parallels are, but here's a really important point. In Watergate, there was an underlying felony that happened. The break-in and the obstruction charges grew out of the Nixon team efforts to hide the felonies. By contrast, the whole Russia-Trump collusion was a frame-up, a hoax. There is no underlying felony, so there's no crime the Trump team is hiding. All the Democrats are really complaining about is that Donald Trump dared to defend himself against the frame-up false charges they made against him. The Democrats' behavior in the House Judiciary Committee is nothing more than hate Trump political warfare. And that, my friends, is my show for today, America Can We Talk. I urge you to tune in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. And also, if you're watching on Facebook, please like this page, share this post. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to our channel. Love your comments. I try to respond to them. I do respond to emails at America Can We Talk. My email, AmericaCanWeTalk at gmail.com. I try to respond to all. I know I'm way behind, but I do try. And I, I end the show trying to encourage everyone every day. I tell you, I do this show out of love of this precious country, the desire to help preserve in this generation, do our job in this generation to preserve America, this extraordinary experiment in human liberty. And I urge you to do the same, to speak up for America, because America matters. Talk to you tomorrow. Can We Talk? Truth About America.